ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey, it's Kat. And actually, it's Pat. And actually, we're randomly the host of a podcast called Seek Treatment. And to Pat, tell them what's it, what's it about. It's actually a podcast about boys, sex, dating, and love. Each week, we invite an exciting guest. And we do our very best not to be boring towards them or even towards you, the listener. We try to say interesting things are actually so hilarious that you laugh your ass off. And after your ass falls the heck off, we guide our guests towards the most important question of all. Who are you? Who, who are, are you? you? And, and who, who do you, you want to be? be? So if you liked what this was. Have you heard this and said, <laughs> I love what this is. <laughs> then like and subscribe. To see treatment. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. He's got a podcast, old sparse and miles and miles of pubic lice. STG, fridge, freeze, he's a proper naughty geese. Chatting bollocks, shit stains, moist stains and airy touch. And Jimmy Savile tracksuits from a mush in shepherd's bush. Bush, 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 bush. He'll make you laugh, he'll make you wee. He'll shag your mum for no money. A maphrodite hat on the door. Don't cry, it's only a joke, you silly mush. <laughs> Don't stress, beat the meat. Moisture is on eat. Don't stress, beat the meat. Say, take a seat. Airy feet, not much air. Massive tits. Beat the meat. Beat the meat. Airy feet. Hey, go, look, this is my dad, and he's bald. We're out on the headboard, mate, shagging your mum. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of Chatting Bollocks, ladies and gentlemen. Let me introduce you to your host. He is an absolute fridge freezer, lemon squeezer, Ebenezer, doozy pleaser, mastercard visa, hatchu sneezer, a golden retriever, a leaning tower of pizza, Julius Caesar looking sexy, schlonging in your wrongin', naughty bad boy geezer, and well known nutter. Undefeated boxing champion, defeated MMA champion, fucking uh, West End actor, fucking geezer with fucking pecs. It's me, Daniel O'Reilly. <laughs> Woo! I'm excited. This is the podcast about my dad, Patrick O'Reilly. You don't get much more Irish, silly, funny, stupid. And wicked, um, the mild man, the legend. I'm going to tell you all about him. Some funny stories. I was going to do this podcast last week. Uh, uh, well, during the week, I had to wait till today, really, because this week was the fourth year um, anniversary since he passed away. And uh, I was going to do it on the day that he passed away, but I was a bit emotional. <laughs> I woke up and I was like, I didn't even know, right? And then I looked on Facebook and I saw all the uh, all the things, RIP Paddy, we miss you Paddy. And I was like, oh my God. And Shelly was like, what's wrong? I was like, it's today, the anniversary, and he passed away. <laughs> Get proper emotional over me, old man. I, do. I, I don't know why I cry so much. It's weird. I guess, well, I guess we all do when we lose our parents, but for some reason it really fucking hits me. And I know that the day that he passed away was such a horrible day that the whole process of it that I think it's more remembering the traumatic time of going to the hospital and everything like that. 
So I had to get that day out of the way um, and then record it on another day. Like I, normally when I talk about him, I get this little lump in my throat. But today I'm feeling good and confident. So I thought I'd do it. Shelly, bless her. Shelly's like got me there just like walking around the house. Oh my God. <laughs> Why did you have to leave us? And the kids are going, what's wrong with daddy? I go, and she's like, fucking give over, you bastard. It's been four fucking years. Look at the fucking state of you. Fucking give over. No, she <laughs> Pull yourself together, you fucking bastard. <laughs> no, she don't. She's good. She just grabs me. She's like, come here, come here. And she like gets my head and she puts my head in her breast like as a comfort thing. And I'm like, fuck's sake. Now I got a boner. <laughs> and then I end up cranking over me. Old oh, man, it's fucking weird. <laughs> Right, that's the start. We're off. I was worried. I had to get out all the fucking gags. I had to just. I had to. I had to release some comedy, fucking positive vibes to 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 rid myself of any emotions before we start. Because I'm going to be reminiscing about all the funny shit me and my old man got up to, and just some funny stories about him. And I didn't want to. Oh my god, I'm starting. No, not really. I just got blown nose. Hold on. <coughs> Well, okay, yeah, where should we start? So, my old man, Patrick O'Reilly, was born in Tellamore, County Offaly, uh, in Ireland. Proper Irish geezer, Patrick O'Reilly, don't get much. Top of the day to you, wrestled a fucking day to I can't even do the accent. Uh, he was the third eldest of four boys, um, and he had seven sisters. Um, in total, actually, his mum had 14 kids, seven boys, seven girls, um, but some of them didn't make it. But... Um, Fuck me, that's a big family, isn't it? Jesus, because they, they were they were they were like Catholic. They didn't believe in contraception, so my granddad was just barebacking the granny out of her for fucking years. When she weren't giving birth, she was having sex. Do you know what I mean? I was like, get a fucking TV, the period. But um, what a woman! I eh? spent a whole year, whole year, her whole life. Sorry, I spent her whole life rearing, chi- not rearing children. <laughs> Someone's got to take that expression out of the dictionary. He was rearing kids his whole life. What? He was bumming kids. <laughs> this is going to be a fucking weird one. Oh, I've had a couple of Stellas, so just to get myself in the frame of mind. Do you know what I mean? Right, no more rearing kids. Um, yeah, so, uh, but my old man, bless him, uh, was a great dad, fantastic dad. Me and my, uh, my relationship with my dad was, was, um, wasn't always a perfect one. I mean, my mum and dad broke up when I was about, <laughs> still thinking, rearing. Uh, my, my mum and dad broke up when I was about two, I think, and they had a, they had a terrible breakup. I'll just say it out, it's, it, I'll be honest, it was a fucking horrendous, um, experience to go through my mum and dad's divorce and it, did, and, it, and, it and it affected me and my sister uh, we had to go to court and all that and there was a lot of shitty horrible things that both both my parents did unfortunately to each other and that's what happens I think when you have breakups but my mum what an amazing strong woman she um, she took us both and uh, um, she was a single mum really looking after us and, and, and bringing us up on her own just me I remember it was me her and my sister um, fond memories mum's a strong woman got us through that Excuse me. Um, and I didn't see my dad for um, for a little while through my teens, I think. I, I, it was on and off. I used to see him every other weekend. And then, you know, when you just get a bit older and you want to spend your weekends with your mates, do you know what I mean? I was out kick-bashing the granny out of people, selling solid and fucking being a geezer, do you know what I mean? Nicking bikes, selling them, do you know what I mean? 
Um, uh, I never nicked a bike, but um, I did sell solid, I think. Uh, bang it into apes. My mum used to buy half of it anyway. Do you know what I mean? As soon as I got it, doubled me money, mate. Loved it. But uh, <laughs> but me, um, so me and my old man drifted apart a little bit uh, through my teens, through my late teens. But I mean, he was very passionate about his kids. And uh, I can remember, you know, he, he was, he, he, like with my little brother Charlie, he used to be there at the side of the football pitch cheering him on. And for me, when I decided I wanted to be an actor, um, when I, I moved out when I was about 15 or 16. And I lived, because uh, my mum moved to Cornwall, I lived on my own down in um, Weybridge. And I used to work at a go-kart track, Brooklyn's go-kart track. And uh, I used to live in a house just next to it. I rented it off my uncle. And my old man always used to come down and see me standing there in the rain fucking waving the flags and squeegeeing the go-kart track and he used to take me for lunch and um, one day he brought a, a uh, photographer come down um, to do my first ever headshots that's what he was like always sort of pushing me to achieve my dream so he's very supportive when uh, when I become a comedian he was over the fucking moon you know I, I, a bit later on in life I moved in with him um, I had a bad breakup from my ex-girlfriend in um, uh, Cyprus I was working out in Cyprus I come back and I worked on the cruise ships and then I come and I moved in with my dad um, in Guernsey, uh, and we fucking had a laugh. Do you know what I mean? I was about 23, and I'd moved back home, and um, we had a wicked time in Guernsey. You know, they had a local pub. We'd go for a lot of beers. We'd talk. He'd help me with my comedy. I used to write comedy. I used to love reading through it. And um, at the time, I worked in a radio station called Flex FM. No, 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 it's not Flex FM. That's where I'm working now. It was, fuck, what's it called? Um, oh, fuck. The radio station was called... Island FM in Guernsey. I worked on Island FM and uh, I was allowed on the radio, but they chucked me off because I'd done some naughty jokes on the radio, which is which is weird because later on in life, when I was on TV, I got thrown off TV. There's like a common common theme that sort of started back then. But then um, they chucked me off the radio, but then I worked in the um, marketing side of things, selling advertising space. So it's my job to drive around the island in one of these Island FM cars and it had a massive sticker on the side of it that said Island FM. And uh, all the kids used to fucking stick their fingers up at me as I drove past and that, wanker! Um, But it was good times, fond memories. The summers were great over there in Guernsey. Um, You go beach and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it was just really, really fond memories. And then, um, then I come back to England and... Started doing my own stuff and back on the cruise ships and stuff. And since then, we, we, we talk every day. We become really, really close friends. And one thing that I can I can remember about my old man that really sticks in my mind was he always inspired me to, to be a comedian. Definitely, 100%. 100%. Because my old man used to have this thing where he'd say, you know, if we... Well, first of all, if he was ever in the pub with him, he was always doing magic tricks. I can remember one time I took him out to meet my pals, all my pals from school. And... um you know, we was all going for a pint on the Saturday, and I thought, fuck it, I'll bring my dad down, he can meet my mates, my mates can meet my old man, and uh, halfway through us having beers and that, he just fucking goes, yeah, lads, have a look at this, and then started pulling this fucking, um, he goes, look, nothing up my sleeves, put his sleeves up, and then he had his hands open, and then he closed his hands, and he was pulling out these fucking red ribbons, fucking loads of it, and I was like, what the fuck is going on, and my mates were like, what is going on, and then he's like, done another trick, and where he bit a coin in half, you know, we go have a look at this, bite a coin in half, and then you do this other trick. And he used to do this one with ash, where you put ash on your hand, and you do one with, um, you know, down in pints and all of this bollocks. He had hundreds of tricks. And then afterwards, I was like, "What the fuck? How did you do that one where you pulled out the, you know, all the red ribbons?" And he was like, "Oh, I don't normally tell anyone this because you're my son. Look, it's a fake thumb. He had a fake thumb. 
attached to his thumb, a big fake thumb, and inside there was a compartment, and it was a big contraption. I was like, you brought that down the fucking pub. I've been out with you as well before we went to the pub. How long have you been wearing that fake thumb? And he was like, I had to put it on about an hour and a half before we went to the pub. So, yeah, when we when we had lunch, I was wearing it. And then, uh, you know, at the pub, I was wearing it. And then, yeah, but it was worth it, wasn't it? You saw the boys, they loved it. And I just thought, you're fucking off your tits. You are off your tits. But that was the sort of man he was. So, yeah, so my old man was always always telling jokes, and that definitely inspired me to be a comedian because he, he just the way he'd have, he'd control the room, you know, he'd start telling the story or uh, telling, I mean, half the stories you'd fucking heard a hundred times, especially if he was telling them to my family, but he, they were so good, and he was so good at telling them, and he was so funny and animated, he'd do all the moves and stuff like that, that... um that you'd want to hear it. You'd want to hear it again, even though you knew the punchline. And it's like the jokes. My old man always used to say the same fucking jokes. I didn't know if he was going mad or he didn't know he'd said them. Or that's just what dads do, you know. You, you tell the same joke over and over again to the annoyance of your kids. And I can remember, and it's quite poignant now to me, and I put a tweet up about it before. I can remember whenever we used to drive past a um, graveyard, my old man always used to say to me, Oi, son! How many people do you think are dead in there? And I knew the answer. I'd heard it a thousand times, but obviously I used to just go along with it because it was me old man. Let him have his moment. Oi, son, how many people do you think are dead in there? Pointing at the at the fucking cemetery. And I'll go, um, I don't know. It's quite big. Maybe like a hundred. And you go, all of them, you twat. It's a fucking cemetery. <laughs> and I'll be like, all right, yeah, you got me again. <laughs> but now whenever I drive past the fucking cemetery I always look and I remember that joke and I think fucking about 101 you cunt because <laughs> you're in there now ain't you hey <laughs> oh mate um, yeah man my old man was really simple um, very simple I mean my old man was really really artistic that was one thing I asked a few people if they could remember any funny stories about my dad and uh, like my auntie Gloria and the last thing she said to me when I got off the phone to her, she was like, just remember your old man was really artistic. And he was. And Rianne, my cousin, actually, she told me a funny story of when my grandma said to, her, said to him, because my old man was a panel beater by trade back in the day and a sprayer, panel beater and sprayer. So he loved paint and everything like that. But he was also an artist. Uh, he was fucking off his tits, mind you, right? So, like, for instance, my grandma said, look, my freezer is getting old, a bit old and rusty. Can you paint it for me, please? So he painted, she just wanted it painted white again. But no, he painted a beautiful fucking landscape on it. It was fucking amazing. And she was like, what is that? Like, in his, in his bathroom, in our house in Tolworth, in the bathroom, he had painted on one wall. And it was fucking beautiful. And I mean, like, it looked amazing. A big Japanese geisha. And then I realized years later that, that that's a prostitute, isn't it? He painted a Japanese prostitute in his fucking bathroom in the middle of Tolworth. And then when we were selling the house, people used to walk around and look in and go, what the fuck is that doing in it? He was mad. He was mad. Just before he died, actually, or I think it was the year, maybe a year before he died, he um, he loved Game of Thrones. And this is how mental he was. He spent a lot of time, a lot of his spare time making weird shit, right? And he loved Game of Thrones. So I think he spent about six to eight months um, one year making the Game of Thrones chair, cutting out hundreds and hundreds of tiny swords, right? And then putting them all together to create a life-size seven-foot copy of the Game of Thrones chair. And it just sat in the garage. He had no idea what he was going to fucking do with it. Do you know what? In fact, my stepmom asked if we could bury <laughs> if we could bury him on it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But they wouldn't let us. Fucking, it was mad. It was massive. I said, what are you going to do with that? And he was like, I don't know, but it's good, isn't it? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it was fucking brilliant. 
But yeah, man. Um, yeah, he, uh, he, yeah, so he passed away. It was crazy when he died. Uh, but it's not the first time he almost died. Do you know what? I was just, I just really just remembered that. One time when I was over in Guernsey, he nearly got swept out to sea. I can remember this now. He was like, the, the tide changed and he was getting smashed up against the rocks and he almost didn't make it. And I was sat on the beach watching and I was like, fucking hell. Like, I was only young. I couldn't save him. I know what you're thinking. Why don't you try and help? But I think I was only about, oh, fuck no, he's about 11 or 12 or something. And I can remember after that thinking, Jesus, you know, we almost lost the old man. But I never thought he would die. Do you know that? That is the weird thing about men, men and their fathers. You just don't think your dad's going to die because my old man was always the sort of person that, I'll tell you, I'm going to get a bit deep before I go into some more jokes, but I don't mind. I might as well tell you how I really feel about my dad. Like the good thing about my dad is, is that he just knew how to talk to me. Do you know what I mean? He knew how to reassure me, and we had a very similar outlook on life. We had the same temperament. We both got quite short tempers, um, but we both, uh, you know, we both got on well. But he he did used to speak to me like no one else would be able to speak to me because I kind of I think there was a lot of him in me, and I think he could see that. But like for instance, when I uh, when I lost my TV show, I mean, you've got to remember when I become a comedian. My old man always wanted to be a comedian, right? I think secretly, and I worked for years and years and years and years writing jokes and and doing the comedy clubs and working on the cruise ships, which he thought was amazing that I was that I was being a professional comedian anyway. He's like, I can't believe it. He'd tell everyone, oh, my son works on the cruise ships. He writes jokes. Um, but when I started doing Vine and started growing um, a following, he was uh, yeah, that's it. He was hooked. He was addicted. He was my number one fan. He was a fanboy, my number one fan, but also he was Dapper Dad, and he was like, I am having some of this, and he created his own accounts, made his own vines, his vines were shit, his vines were fucking crazy, Um, but one thing that I did love about my dad is the way that he used to be able to turn things around in my head, so we had this massive journey up until, you know, he come on tour with me, I sold out. I sold out like 8,000 tickets in the, in a matter of days for my um, first tour, Proper Moist Tour. And my dad was a massive part of my vines. Um, uh, so when I took him to a couple of the shows, it was like he was a fucking superstar there. I mean, they were, they were there for me. Uh, but when they saw my dad, like the girls were all over him. The guys wanted pictures with him. And each, I brought him up on stage um, at one show and they went fucking mental and I could just see in his face he was beside himself and you know backstage he was like what you've done is is another level he's like you're a rock star <laughs> I mean I know I wasn't but he was like look you're like a rock star to these people this is it's amazing you know you've got millions and millions of followers and you're selling out tours and and uh, I always knew it was going to happen and then I got my TV show and things went to another level I was on TV um every night uh well every thursday sorry on itv2 and i was getting recognized everywhere and um my dad was like it's happening you know this is this is what we always thought was going to happen and i can't believe it and he was overwhelmed and excited but when i lost my tv show everyone was like oh don't worry about it you know work hard you'll you'll be able to get it back or oh you were treated like shit and oh you're right sympathy and all that my old man wasn't my old man was like fucking hell mate who thought they would have given you a TV show in the first place? Are they fucking mental? 
my man was like, the way you've got to look at it is you fucking blagged a lot more than we thought was going to happen. He was like, it was good when you were doing the cruise ships. Fuck me, it was good when you were doing the vines. God, it was amazing when you sold out the tours. When you were doing the live stand-up, that was mental. Having fans, fantastic. Getting a TV show, fucking no one would have thought it, right? So look at everything that has happened as a bonus, you know? It was only a matter of time till you fucked it up because you're a twat. <laughs> That's what he said. But he's like... <laughs> But look how well we did, man. And it would always be we. Look how well we did. Um, and that attitude really got me through a, a, a tough time. I, I honestly can I can honestly credit my old man for, you know, he didn't want to say nothing like, um, I mean, he blamed a lot of journalists and stuff like that, but he didn't want to hear none of this fucking, oh, fucking, it's all fact and all that. He was like, no, he was like, look, crack, carry on working, see what's next, keep making your own opportunities. But fuck me, no one expected you to get that far. Right, I've got an idea. I, wanna, I want you to listen to something now because this is one of my fondest memories. I shared, I think this has hit a million views on my Facebook and I, I shared it uh, on the day um, uh, last week that it was his four years anniversary of when he passed away. My old man was so easy. He was very simple, my dad. Um, very simple in the head. He's like me, in me, he's dyslexic and... But he's very easy to wind up and catch out. And me and my brother used to really fucking take the piss out of him and stuff like that. But listen to this. This is a prank call that I did on my father. Um, <laughs> and I just think that his response is... I thought he was going to go mental at me because he's got a short temper. But his response is even more priceless. The fact that... The fact like he believed it. And it's certainly something that he thought I would have done. And um, just his reaction to it is great. So... Here's my prank call. It's time for another prank call. Now, uh, the last one done really well. People have been requesting another one, and people have been requesting that I prank my dad. Um, he's got a reputation for having the shortest fuse. Uh, so I'm a little bit nervous about this because he can flip off the handle. Uh, I thought he's a bit old. I don't want him having a heart attack or something. But he's not the brightest spark. So uh, we should be able to get him. Let's see what he's doing. Bring <laughs> him on Facebook because he's always on his iPad. He thinks he's fucking trendy. Uh, Hello? Hello, it's Dan. It's Dan, it's Dan. yeah, you're right. Can you talk quick, Dad? Oh, well, just turn, let me turn the room. Oh, all right. Hello. I love the stuff you put out, mate. It really made me laugh. Yeah, yeah. You got, you uh, the, the stuff you put out, I loved it. The old, yeah. uh, the, uh, grey, uh... Okay. Um... um what tickets doing? Yeah, ticket sales are great, Dad. Ticket sales are going great for the tour. Listen, I, the reason I'm calling out, fucking... I'm fucked up, man. Um, I've got... Fucking got I got arrested last night, Dad. Oh, you're fucking joking me! You're jo- you weren't fighting, were you? No, I'm oh, not. Tell me you weren't fighting. Basically, it's fucking embarrassing. But I'm going to need your help with this because I don't know what I'm going to say if it gets out. But basically, I, I went to a party. One of my mates introduced me to this girl, right? And um, basically, cut a long story short, I ended up getting fucking caught shagging her by the old Bill because it turned out she's fucking. I didn't even know, but it turned out she's a fucking hooker. Well, I did oh. know. Hey? What's the matter with you? No. Horse. Yeah, I know. But the worst, the worst thing is, I got caught right, and there's fucking CCTV. Where, where were you? Where were you? I was in, I was in the fuck, I was in the fucking, I was in a park, Dad. And they fucking got cameras on this building. A park? Where the fuck did you go to the park? Oh fucking, I don't know. But now, the fucking first thing the old Bill said to me, uh, first thing the old Bill said to me was get checked out and that. So. Oh, fuck me, I haven't even taken my blood pressure tablets today for fuck's sake. Oh, I can't believe this. No, listen... Did you, did you wear a condom? 
My dad, I didn't have any condoms, and my mate said she's all right. My mate's had a go on her before. Oh, my fucking God, you've got the brains of a fucking rocking horse. How old are you? I can't... Your, your brother, he's been nicked. <laughs> uh, I can't tell you what for. You're, you're fucking not old enough. <laughs> it's a day. Yeah, okay? I just... What if it gets in the papers? Yeah, well, you're going to make a fucking journal of a lot of money, aren't you? A lot of the last time. Right, do you know what, right, this is, <laughs> this was, this. I'm only joking, Dad, this was, I'm, do, I'm doing a fucking prank call on you, but I just can't believe that you're not even that bothered. What did you say? <laughs> you're a seven-fingered son of a syphilated monkey's miscarriage. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I found it out of my chest. <laughs> I thought you was going to go worse. All you said was, why didn't you have a fucking hotel? <laughs> I'm only joking anyway, I'd never get caught doing that and I always wear condoms, Dad. Anyway, I've got to go. You, wear, you, wear, you fucking wear two condoms. <laughs> I, I love you too. Bollocks. <laughs> bye, bye. So yeah, bless my old man. Um, <laughs> can, you fuck, can you believe that? He was just like, oh, mate, what are you think? All he was thinking about is... Look, he didn't even ask, he didn't even say I was stupid for barebacking her, did he? He was just like, he was just like, you know, what if the journalists find out? Isn't it bad that he was not even shocked that <laughs> he didn't kick off? He was like, what are you doing? Why have you got caught? Why didn't you, you know what I mean? It, oh, mate, what a geezer. Completely took it hook, line and sinker. Though. It was really easy to fucking wind up. I'll tell you what, right? Let me give you some examples of when he's gone fuck, when he actually has gone mad. Like I can remember a long, long time ago, my little brother wanted to have a party at the house for uh, for for his friends, right, over in Guernsey. And I just this was when I was living in Guernsey with him. And he said, Charlie said, come on, can you guys fuck off out and go out, yeah, tomorrow night? Because I'm having all my friends over and I want to have a party. I think he wanted a shag a bird or something. Anyway, so my dad goes, I'll tell you what we'll do. Because my dad had a jacuzzi in the... Um, Excuse me, because my dad had a jacuzzi in the back garden on like his uh, patio, right? He had this big jacuzzi. And my dad was like, I'll tell you what I'll do for you, son. I'm going to warm up the jacuzzi. So if you want to get some girls in the jacuzzi, do you know what I mean? Have a couple of drinks, get your friends around. They'll all see you've got a jacuzzi and you're a fucking legend, didn't you? Living legend, jacuzzi party. Come on. So um, the child was like, all right, cool. If that's what you want to do, do it. So. My dad spent two days, right, filling up this jacuzzi. And I can remember coming in from work and doing whatever, and he was topping up the water. It takes a long time to fill it up anyway. He fills the jacuzzi up, and then he spent another day sorting out the temperature, a couple of degrees up, a couple of degrees down, get it to the right perfect fucking temperature. And 10 minutes before we were about to leave, me and my dad were going up the pub so they could have the party. We got ourselves ready and, and we come down, and dad was like, all right, see you later. And then he just ran in, and he goes, oh, we went out the door and he goes, oh, let me just nip back in. I just want to fucking check the temperature of that fucking jacuzzi. So he runs in. Charlie's like, what are you doing? He goes, let me just double check that it's completely right. He goes out to the jacuzzi and he decides that there's a little bit too much water in the jacuzzi. So he sticks a pump in it to suck out some of the water so that the water doesn't splash everywhere, right? So he puts a pump in it and then he comes back to me and he's like, I'm just going to drain a little bit of the water and I'm going to go to the toilet. I'll be back in a second. So he goes up to the toilet and the next thing I hear is, fuck, shit. Bollocks, fucking wanker. No, no. That's what he used to do. He actually used to fold his tongue over in his mouth and bite it. Mm, no. 
proper going mad. Then he starts smashing up the kitchen. He's kicking things and knocking things over in the kitchen. So I run back in and the cunt's completely drained out the jacuzzi. He forgot that you put the thing in and was stood talking to Charlie and drained it. <laughs> and then he was fucking pissed off. Ah, oh, fuck, fuck this. And that's what he's fucking bollocks. That's what he's fucking going crazy. Veins popping out of his head. The whole way we were walking to the pub, he was going, fucking stupid, you stupid bastard, you fucking bollocks. Oh, just such a fond memory because he um, he meant so well but fucked it up so bad. Uh, I can remember another time um, he was making sink in the shed. He had, um, you know, he was, I don't know what he was doing in the shed. But anyway, he's making sink in the shed and then he comes in and he sits inside, sits down in the house and he's having like, a sandwich or sink for his fucking lunch. And then you hear this, this fucking fire engine comes. He's like, oh, what's going on? Someone's fucking doing something down here. What's going on? Looking out the window and he sees the fire brigade pulling up outside the front. He goes, oh, fucking something's going on. What the is What's going on? And then they pull the fucking hose off and they start running through the front garden. He's going, what the fuck's going on? And he goes out and set fire to his fucking shed, mate. He didn't even know. <laughs> he was having a fucking sandwich. Oh, mate. Oh, I tell you what, right? Um, yeah. Oh man, he is funny. Uh, he used to tell me. Uh, my my family used to tell me um, funny stories of uh, stuff that he used to do when he was um, when he was a kid. Not when he was a kid, but when he was growing up. When he was when he was like in his early twenties or whatever, he was right, Jack the Lad. You got to remember, my old man. He had seven sisters, right, uh, and a load of brothers. So he was tough. My old man was tough, right? He done karate. Um, and then he used to teach karate, so he was a full-on karate expert. Do you know what I mean? You just go to a dojo, the lot, kick bash the fucking granny out of people. He told me that he actually trained with Elvis Presley's bodyguards, and he had—he was a proper hard geezer, right? Uh, but he always used to say, "No trouble, don't trouble, trouble till trouble troubles you." And he used to be adamant that he never start any fights, but he used to be able to kick the shit out of people. I can remember that they used to what my um, granddad. He used to have a lot of commercial property, um, you know, like flats and shops and stuff like that. And I can remember um, one of my uncles telling me a story about my dad that they were doing up this shop. So they just finished doing up this shop. They put a big glass, brand new glass front on the shop, uh, completely done the inside of the shop, all nice wood counter, new flooring, uh, new windows, everything. And they were doing it. And my old man had gone out to get something. And the brothers were always like, fucking let's, you know, he thinks he's so fucking hard. Let's, we'll attack him. Let's see how good he is. So they all stayed in the shop and he had to come back into the shop to drop some stuff off. So they all hid in the shop. And my old man walked in and um, when my old man turned the lights on, they all jumped out to attack him. Now my old man went into full combat. Mode, kicked the shit out of all three of them. One of them went straight through the fucking front window, smashed the whole thing. And I can remember him telling me the story saying, you know, fucking, he could used to have it. And I used to love that. I used to love thinking that my old man was proper tough. Um, <laughs> but uh, when he was growing up as well, my auntie Gloria was telling me stories, some stuff that he always used to do. And I used to think to myself, oh, I could imagine myself doing that. When he was like a teenager or maybe a little bit older, my dad used to say to um, Gloria, his sister, she was a good looking, well, she's a good looking woman. Sorry, Gloria, still are. Um, and what my dad used to do is used to say, right, Gloria, I'm going to be at this pub with my pals or with some people at a certain time. We're going out tonight. Because uh, my old man was always trying to make money, scams, do you know what I mean? Trick people, get a bit of money and just funny shit. 
So what, this is what my dad used to set up. Gloria, his sister, used to walk into the pub dressed up and stand at the bar. And my old man used to go, oh, look, have a look at her, lads. How much you bet me, not only can I get her phone number, I'll get her to pay for my drinks. I'll get her to buy a drink. And all the lads be like, nah, fuck off, no chance. Look at him, like, oh, that's fine. Come on, put your money where your mouth is, tenner each or whatever. I will not only get her phone number, but I will get her to buy me a drink. And then that smart man would go over, pretend to talk to her, um, and then come back with a phone number and go, look, do you know what I mean? I've chatted her up, got the phone number and stuff like that. Just wait five minutes, she'll be over here asking if I want a drink. And then she'd come over and go, oh, can I get you a drink by any chance? Buy her a drink. Bah, she'd get all the money. And I can remember hearing that story and thinking, fucking geezer, mate. This is why I'm a legend, because the old man was a legend. And um yeah, that that's a that's a that's a fun story. My crap my auntie also told me another story um about when uh um they went to a big raffle like um out of this big hotel, big fancy like posh hotel and this big raffle and um the raffle finished and my old man was so pissed off that he hadn't won nothing in the raffle that he um <laughs> on the way out, they had these massive, huge plants that were like in the, because the, the, the hotel was like this big, beautiful hotel, and they had these massive plants, right? So my old man, <laughs> my old man was like, fuck it, I'm, I'm pissed off, I paid my money for a ticket, I ain't won nothing at the fucking raffle, I'm having one of these plants. He was like, no, what are you doing? And he's like, picked it up, he could hardly carry the fucking thing, and he's walking down out of the fucking hotel lobby with it, big old plant, and they're saying, Paddy, what are you doing? You're going to get fucking... You're going to get nicked. like, what are you doing? And then he stopped, put it out the cloakroom to get his jacket, collected his jacket, put his jacket on. And then he walked outside the front to where they had like the doorman and the bouncers like uh, outside the front. And he said to the bouncer, he said, mate, you couldn't do me a favour, could you? This is fucking heavy. I've just won it in the raffle. You couldn't help me get it in the car. And he actually got the doorman to help him. They put the roof down on his car, stuck it in the back seat, fucking closed the car up. Thank you very much. See you later. (laughs) Drive off. (laughs) Stuck it in his house. (laughs) There was some stuff that he told me um, about stuff that he'd done when he was a kid because he used to get into a lot of fights, have a lot of trouble. And uh, he told me a story once uh, that I used later on, actually, um, in my life. Gloria was telling me about this one on the phone as well. And I just thought to myself, oh, that's... Because, you know, when you think that you come up with something... um, I always do it. A lot of comedians do it. You know, you think you've come up with a joke or you've had an idea, but it's something you've heard before. And uh, my old man did this, and I actually done this later on in life, but it didn't go that well for me I actually got beaten up but <laughs> my, a long time ago my old man when he used to go out he used to wear sunglasses in the pubs because you know that's the sort of thing they used to do back then and a guy come over to him and said to him look can you stop fucking looking at my missus and my missus and my old man was like who's your fucking missus and um, the old man said you know this geezer said that woman over there you know I know you've got glasses on but I can tell you looking at her and my old man was like nah I wouldn't be looking at her she ain't my type like laughing sort of thing and the old and then the fellow was like right outside then let's go and my old man was sat on a stool at the bar so my old man got up off the stool and goes come on in let's have it and started walking towards the bar with like a gammy limp like a dodgy leg like as if he was crippled and the fellow was like oh mate I ain't fighting a cripple fucking watch your mouth mate you shouldn't be like that if you know don't get mouthy if you're anything or wobble back and so I'll have it with you and, was, and the guy was like no you ain't worth it and walked off and he told me that story years ago so he said if you ever get in trouble try it and I did I can remember we was in the Hand and Spear in Weybridge and I'd done that very same thing but the geezer caught me about two hours later doing the moonwalk somewhere in another club mate dancing spinning round he beat the shit out of me so <laughs> 
Don't dance after. You've got to keep that up all night if you're going to pull that one. My old man used to like smoking a bit of weed. Um, he used to love smoking a little bit of weed. And uh, <laughs> I can remember the first time I found out that my dad smoked weed was we went on holiday to Spain together and I met this girl. I think her name was Helga. Helga? Helga? She was from like Sweden or, or Norway or something like that. Little blonde sort. And um, my, uh, my old man... Um, you know, I was hanging around with this girl. I was meant to be on holiday with my dad. He was like, look, come on, you're meant to be on holiday with us. But I was like, look, I'm, I'm trying to seal the deal, dad. Leave it out. I'm trying to fuck, do you know what I mean? Trying to trying to get that number under me belt, brother. Trying to get that notch done. And my, my old man was like, all right, fair play. Go on, crack on, do your thing. Anyway, a lot of people were saying to my dad, you know, if you because we knew other people when we was on holiday, you know, tell your son that, you know, if he's trying to get in with this girl not to go down the beach at night not to try and you know have sex with her or or make out with her or whatever on the beach at night because the whole place is notorious for pickpockets you know while people are shagging and um my man said look whatever you do you know don't go down the beach at night with her you'll get robbed there's people down there pickpocketing obviously i was young i didn't listen um couldn't go to her room or my room or whatever and i was like i mean i'm getting a job so I went down to the beach and lo and behold, um, you know, we were getting kissing, cuddling. I don't know, I might have slipped a digit in there. I don't want to get technical in case my missus um, listens, mate. But you know what I mean? I was second knuckle. You done there, man? And um, anyway, and then I see this geezer uh, going through me fucking trousers or me shorts or whatever it was behind me. And I was like, fucking shit. And I, obviously I was in me boxes or whatever. Uh, or I might have even been, do you know what I mean? Naked with fucking shh love on mate about fucking eight inches of the bed but anyway so i jumped up and i was like fucking hell pulled me box shorts up well, whatever i got dressed don't get too graphic uh and then i was like oh mate give me my fucking wallet and the geezer was like walking backwards and, and he was like senor it's no importante it's not my what it does for now and i was like oh yeah can it you fucking want it? He goes, si, senor. It would be a muy fantastico for los fighters. And I went, ayah! Spun round, right? Done a flying kick, right? As I was spinning in the air, caught him on the chin. He fell down. I went, senor! It's de nada, de nada, de nada, de nada. As I was kicking him in the head, the guy was going, no importante. Okay, that didn't happen. Right, that was just, I got carried away. I just wanted to do some Spanish. What actually happened was, I said, give me my wallet. And he was going, nah, fuck off and walk back. And I went to go to get it. <laughs> Good story, though. Dinana, dinana. Anyway, I went forward to get my wallet, and um, I saw like a not. I saw like a a, a white, uh, like a glistening like light. The light, the moonlight flickering off something in his hand, and he had a knife. Uh, and he was calling me over to get my wallet. He was like, come, see, senor, come for your wallet. Does see, you can have a wallet. Does no problem. You come, you come. Uh, and he had the knife. He wanted to stab me. He didn't even. He didn't even threaten me with a knife. It's almost like he was trying to hide the knife so that when I got near him, he could fucking jab me with it. And I was like, nah, are you all right, mate? Keep the wallet. Cut the euros in there. Have a good night. Go on, fuck off. So then I went back to the... Uh, I said to him, I said, look, come on, this ain't happening. Ain't your lucky night tonight. We'll have to do a rain check on this one, sweetheart. Pull your knickers up. Let's go. Anyway, I went back to me, um, me dad, uh, went in. I'll never forget it. I knocked on his bedroom door and he opened the door naked with his dick hanging out. And I was like, fuck's sake. Don't want to see your old man's dick, do you? But I was like, you know, nutter. He goes, sorry, you know, it's warm. It's warm, plus me and your stepmom, you don't know. I was like, all right, listen, Dad, I've just been fucking robbed. Someone's had me wallet. wallet. He's like, you weren't down the fucking beach, were you? I was like, yeah, yeah. I was, you know, trying to hang out the back of the suite. And fucking, they took me wallet. And uh, 
he goes, oh, all right. Oh, but I was a bit shaken up. I'm, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm underplaying it here. I was scared, and I, I was scared when I saw the knife. So I was a bit shaken up and a bit emotional. So my old man went, look, look, yeah, you know, just take this. Go, go and take this. Just put it in a fag, and it will chill you out. And he gave me some squidgy black. I'll never forget it. He gave me some squidgy black. I hadn't seen that shit since Nam. Do you know what I mean? Back in Vietnam was the last time I saw that stuff. It's that fucking old. Last time I fucking had a joint with that stuff, I was getting chased by a fucking dinosaur for me fucking bunts. Right, anyway. And it, um, so I went and sat on the balcony. I burnt it up, you know. I don't know if you can remember squidgy black. You used to have to burn it and you'd, you'd end up with black fingers because you'd carry it and then you'd sprinkle it. Ah! Oh, you'd sprinkle it into, oh, oh, my fingers into your fag. And then you'd light it, and then it would drip down. The hot, if you didn't burn it enough, it would drip down, and you'd get holes in your fucking tracky bottoms. That's why if anyone used to have them Adidas poppers, like me back in the day, I had Adidas poppers, and on one knee there was hundreds of tiny little circular holes. That's how you knew someone was a proper geezer, if they had hot rock burns in their Adidas poppers. <laughs> oh, reminiscing now. There's some fucking memories coming back for you guys. I go, oh, fucking no. Yeah, he's right, he's right. I'll bring back another memory for you. Me and my old man used to do bongs together as well. Fucking hell. Char- my little brother Charlie used to have, he used to have bongs in his bedroom all the time. And if I ever wanted to get, is that the dog barking? En los tuatos, it's no importante. Shut up, tu madre is titas. Mucho grande, mi cojones van a los plotor, los ginger madre is titas. <clears throat> Sorry, he only speaks Spanish, and I had to say to him that if we don't shut up, I'll, that's what I said. My kahunas, that's my balls, will we'll explode on your ginger mum's tits. So I'm just saying, if you don't shut up, I'll spunk all over your mum's tits. That, that calms him down. Uh, anyway, yeah, so my little brother, he used to smoke bongs. We used to always find his bongs hidden in his room. Uh, and uh, he used to think Dad didn't know. But what he didn't know is that me and my dad used to smoke his bongs as well. So <laughs> my old man could clear a bong, mate. We'd get proper stoned and then watch, like, uh, some shit. Some, he used to love sci-fi programs. So we'd get proper stoned and watch sci-fi programs. Um, so, yeah, man. So, yeah, Uh Almost that time, I'm going to tell you a couple more stories, and uh, it's been really nice reminiscing, right? I'll tell you one of my funniest stories when I lived with my uh, dad over in Guernsey. I um, I was a bit naughty. I just my dad, what my dad wanted me to do was make friends over there, and um, he told me to join the local boxing club. So he took me up, and I met some. I met this guy called Brad up there. Big shout out to Brad. He's fought well for his country, and some other quite cool kids. Um, down at this uh, Guernsey Boxing Club, and it was quite a close-knit thing. It was more, like, just for the Guernsey lads, and I was from this, the, the the mainland, and I had this, like, sort of Cockney accent. Well, it's, you know, London accent. And uh, But the boys, some of the boys took to me, and it was all right, and then I started making some friends, and we used to go out, and they used to be a bit troublesome, I'm not going to lie. And um, I can remember one night I went out, and uh, we were in town, and someone started on me because my accent and... You know, they're very territorial in Guernsey. Like, if you're from Jersey and you go to Guernsey, you're getting your head kicked in. But if you're from England, you know, some people would tolerate you. And if you had a big mouth like me and thought you was funny, you'd normally get slapped, which I did quite a lot. And anyway, so, uh, yeah, I uh, I had an argument with someone outside a, a pub. And um, I can remember one of the guys outside a pub was like, mate, you know, what you gonna what you gonna fucking do? And I was like, well, if you want to fucking have it, me and the boys would have it. And uh, the lads that I was with, they were all boxers, and there was two of them that were proper handy, and they were my good pals. And I was like, come on, and I turned around, but they had gone in because it was while we were waiting to go through into the club. So I was on my own all of a sudden, and I'd got 
I'd got mouthy and at this point the bouncer had then said to me, you know, you can't come in. So I was out. So these two lads were like, oh, so you're on your fucking own now. And then they went for me. You know, they wanted to beat me up. And I'm not saying I'm hard because um, you probably saw my MMA fight. But um, I did use to love a tear up and uh, I fucking thought, right, let's fucking head down, arm swinging. Let's just, let's just fucking go for it, innit? Let's just see what happens. And I caught one of them, put him on his ass, and, and the other one I managed to get like in a headlock and then I was like just doing whatever and then I chucked him on the floor and then I fucking legged it right but because as I chucked the other guy on the floor his mates were looking through the window and then his mates had come out running through the smoking area and that's it I was like fuck it you know my luck is not going to last so I fucking legged it and in Guernsey I don't know if you know but in Guernsey all the car parks are on piers at the city so if you if you if you park in your car they've built these long piers uh, in town that go out into the sea and then the piers so Oh, I fucking, I didn't know this, did I? And I'm just running up. I didn't know where I was really. And I ended up running into this car park and that's it. It's a fucking dead end. There's only one way in, one way out. And I ran in and I can remember hearing all the feet behind me, like fucking these people running. One of the geezers I, I had chinned and uh, I could hear him shouting that I was going to fucking get my head kicked in. And I, I was listening to the feet and I was thinking there must be at least fucking five of them. So I run into the car park and I'm running and then I fucking just duck down low and then I've hid under a car and I'm like it's quite near the back and I'm rolling around you know listening watching these feet down at the end other end of the car park looking hearing them shouting that they know I'm in there and uh, I thought fuck mate they're gonna find me so I rang the old man I was like dad I'm fucking in town I'm at the end of a car park I'm underneath a car I've had a fight and these lads are gonna fucking kick my head in. So I'm like, oh, man, oh, fucking, what are you fucking doing? I've had a couple of beers. I can't fight. Oh, fuck it. So then he's put the phone down. And he's gone and woke my brother up. He said, we're going to get down. There might be some trouble. He's fucking hit under a car anyway. Proper pissed off. Proper, like, worried. So he's rushed downstairs and he's got in the car. He's a bit drunk. He's had a couple of Stellas. And uh, he's reversing, pulling the car out. And he's crashed his car into another car. <laughs> so he's fucking fuming. And then he's fucking drove as fast as he could all the way down to the fucking pier. And just as these lads were getting towards the end of the pier, he come flying in the car park, beeping his horn with his head out the window, going, who fucking wants it? Come on to these lads. Fucking... You know, making it look really fucking scary and that. And these lads all like, oh, what the fuck? And then he's got, he's gone, come on, who fucking wants it? And I rolled out from underneath the fucking car. I told him whereabouts I was. And I managed to jump in the car. And then we got in the car and fucking sped off, mate. It was fucking... <laughs> he was fucking angry. But not as angry as my stepmom when I got home because she works in a bank at the time. And, um, you know, she had a reputation. But it was in the fucking newspaper and everything over there. It was fucking... It was fun. So... Those were the days, man. Right, I'm going to finish up. I just want to talk. I'm going to finish up on uh, just talking about the day he died because uh, it was tragically sad, but it also was fucking funny. Uh, and then I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. Uh, I'm going to finish the podcast on a, a snippet from my stand-up show that I done about my dad. So um, if you were there, you'll remember. But if you weren't, um, have a listen. Um, it's nice, and uh, I'm thinking my stand-up comedy um, show that I did, I've had some trouble with it, I'll be honest with you, I've, I've pitched it out to a few people, you know, like Netflix and TV channels and websites, and a lot of people, because of my reputation, were, a li- were I'm in an iron about it and didn't want it, so my, my uh, manager um, said to me, well, what we'll do is we'll just put it on Amazon and charge your fans for it, and I was like, I don't really want to charge my fans for it, do you know what I mean? I've done that before with a DVD before, but... 
with this one, it was it, this show that I done, our last stand up show, um, good vibes only. I feel like it was for the people, but like for the people, and the people made it happen. You know, I done such a big thing about you know putting my own money into it, telling everyone, taking them on the journey, and then selling it out. And it was such an emotional show that I done. It was a journey of my whole life in the show. Uh, and I spoke about how my fans had been there for me and, and what I'd been through with my dad dying. And I finished on this emotional tribute to my to my old man, which was actually the eulogy that I read um, because I was off my tits when I wrote it uh, at his funeral. I finished on that. And because it's such a personal connection with the people that support me, I don't f- I'm going to do another DVD and I will sell that. But this one, I'd feel bad. But my agent, obviously, is he wants to get his percentage uh, of whatever I do. So he's been putting a lot of pressure on me and saying that there's contractual obligations and all this bollocks about this DVD. But do you know what? I'm just going to post it online and give it out to everyone for free to watch. So fuck them. They can sue me if they need to. Um, I've got enough dough as it is, mate. You can have it. But the fans are getting the DVD. So, yeah. When my d- oh, just dropped me bollocks as soon as I said that. Oh, mate. Now, that's off the cuff. That was comedy speed right there. Um, I'm going to finish on this. Yeah, so my old man passed away four years ago. He, um, I was at home with the missus. It was Valentine's Day, I believe, when I got the call. We'd just been out for our Valentine's meal, me and Shelley. And I got back and, um, yeah, I got a phone call from my stepmom saying that my dad had had a stroke. And he, he lived in Guernsey. So, you know, it was, it's, it's, it's not a long flight. I think it's about an hour's flight, but it's a bit of a distance to the airport. And uh, I was like, you know, I said, well, you know, how serious is it? And she said, he's out. He's in a, you know, he's had a stroke. He's in a coma or whatever. He's, you better get over it. And what was weird was um, I rang my mate Matt. And a couple of years before my dad had passed away, my my best mate, Matt, the bad man tipster, I was living with him in a flat and one day he got a similar phone call and he went and I didn't hear from him for like three days and when he come back, his dad had passed away. So I'd been through it with Matt and supported Matt and I rang Matt and I said, can you come here and you know look after Doris? We had the dog at the time and stay at my thing. I've got, I've got what do you think I should do? And he was like, yeah, you've got to go. So it was nice that I, w- I had him around that time as well because we'd been through a similar thing. Anyway, I flew over there. And by the time I got there, my man had come out of his stroke and he was awake, but he wasn't himself at all. He was um, he was, uh, he was, was chatting some bollocks, man. But, I mean, he was funny. He was saying funny stuff as well. Um, you know, he was like, well, how long have I been out for? And I was like, I don't know, man, a couple of hours. You've had a stroke or whatever. And he was like, oh, well, fucking, do you know what I mean? Check me trousers over there because I had my wallet in it. I don't know if the doctors have had it away. And then I was like, look, calm down. You've had a stroke. And he was like, I'm not surprised. Have you seen the nurses in here? And he was cracking jokes. And I thought to myself at that point, you know, that, you know, he's going to be all right, man. He's he's fucking about. He's going to be all right. Um, But then he started being weird, you know, like hysterically crying, um, and then snapping straight out of it and being like, oh, what's going on? And then we'd have to tell him again that he'd had a stroke and then he'd be hysterically crying. I'm scared, crying, you know. What's going on? Very confused and scared, crying, 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 and then snapping out of it and like, what's going on? What's happened? And I felt like there was a fucking proper malfunction going on in his brain, do you know what I mean? Like I could see see that it just wasn't right and that he was malfunctioning and his brain, I, I thought like the wires were all fucked up in his brain. So... um. And then he went under again, had another stroke, and went under, and I, was, I knew it. But, um, yeah, and then, you know, uh, that was going on for a while, and then the doctor said, look, you've got to make a choice, because I think, that, 
it's called coning or something where the brain stem starts coning, which means that your brain's dying and the body's disconnecting from it or whatever. And he's like, you know, you need to make a decision whether to keep him on life support. Um, and if he pulls through, he'll only ever be able to blink. Do you know what I mean? And breathe, but not talk or anything. And my stepmom, my brother didn't want to make the decision. Um, so I had to make the decision. But I said to the doctor before I did, like, what would you do if it was your dad? And, my, and he was like, I'd, I'd let him go. So I said, all right, well, let him go. So then they uh, called the family from different parts of the country to get them over before they turned the machine off. And when they turned the machine off, I reacted in a way that I never thought I would. I um, I started getting really fucking angry and shouting at my dad. Um, but <laughs> talking to the machine, uh, <laughs> when I was sat with him, because there was a couple of days we were waiting for the family to come over, when I knew that he was going to go, but technically he was still alive on the machine, so I'd sit and read the newspapers to him and talk to him. Um, you know, and I guess I, even though I wasn't talking to him, I had a, the opportunity to say things I wanted to say to him, whether or not he heard them, but I believed he did. But I can remember one time... Um, I wanted to do I wanted to do some like Snapchatting and stuff like that because I just wanted to take my mind off stuff. But also I just wanted to tell people what was happening. I know it's not the normal thing to do, but to me it was kind of like my release and uh, how to turn it into something else instead of uh, what it was. And I went to unplug something to pull my to plug my phone in to charge my phone and they got like alarms on the system and that and the fucking place erupted and the the fucking woman come running in and I'd almost unplugged my dad's life support machine to fucking charge my phone <laughs> and that is something that that I know wherever he was or whatever he was doing he would have been fucking laughing his tits off at that I'm fucking telling you but after that, he passed away when we turned the machine off. Yeah, I went I went a bit mad. I started shouting at him and I was asking him what he was doing, why he'd done that. And that was the beginning of a really big, big downturn for me. You know, I, I more or less was drunk, I think, for, for a whole year from that point. I walked straight out of the, out of the hospital and uh, bought a bottle of wine and went back home. Me and my brother had a bottle of wine each and we got drunk. And I mean, it's quite, it's tragically funny, but we found my stepmom's uh, pills that she had. She had these antidepressant pills. I don't know what they are, like they're the diazepam or something like that. I'd never taken them before, but fuck me. I had a couple of them and I was off me fucking tits, me and my brother. And the thing is, you just felt better, better and better and like a little bit distant and a little bit fucked up, but you could do as many of them as you want. And me and my brother were fucking going through them like they were smarties right and I can remember we was playing Monopoly downstairs me my brother and my cousin Jamie and we were playing Monopoly downstairs and we were off our fucking tits and Louise comes storming downstairs and was like where are my fucking happy pills where are they where are they where are the fucking tires of plan? I need them I need them and me and Charlie were like we have to not mate we're fucked and she was like oh my fucking god and I was like fucking chill out man take a happy pill fucking I can't you fucking had them all and she fucking stormed out of the house in her fucking nighty in the pouring rain and just ran down the road and it was pissing down the rain but we was two of our tits to give a fuck we were laughing our tits off we thought it was fucking funny and Gloria my auntie had to run out and get her and bring her back and um that was sort of the beginning <laughs> that was sort of the beginning of uh of my downturn from losing my old man and do you know what the weirdest thing is the same week that I lost my dad after being told that Shelley could never have kids for years because uh, she had polystific ovaries. The, the same week that I lost my dad, I found out that I was going to be a father with Neve, And um, it, it truly messed with my head. I mean, it was a beautiful thing, but 
the responsibility and scariness and, and, and not having him there. And do you know what I mean? And I always thought to myself, how am I going to learn how to be a dad um, without my dad here to teach me? But what I didn't realise is um, that's what he'd been doing all along, man. So, yeah, a bit of an emotional one. Uh, but let's finish on this. This was my eulogy from my stand-up comedy set. Thank you to everyone that was there. And I'm going to drop my stand-up comedy out for you guys, free of charge. Do me a favour, pass on the podcast. Tell someone to have a listen to it. Let's get it out there. Thank you for tuning in. R.I.P. Pat the Hat Dapper Dad. I love you, old man. This is for you. So, I'm used to talking to big crowds of people, but this is going to be particularly tough for me because we're about to bury my father and I've just taken four diazepam tablets. I'm joking. I've just had half a gram. I said that in the fucking church, right? I swear. This is going to be hard for me, not only because of my dad's funeral, but also because the warm-up act was the priest and his jokes are fucking shit. Before I talk about what my father was to me, I want to talk about what my father was meant to be all of us as a family. He was a friend, a brother, a granddad, an uncle and a father. But to my stepmum, he was many different things because she loved a bit of role play. Dad often joked half seriously about having a wild youth filled with unprotected sex or barebacking sweethearts, as the kids call it. I said this in the church. <laughs> so what was my father to everyone? He was a father... He was a father to me, I think, but we never had a DNA test. My mum used to like putting it about a bit when she was younger. Dad has also gloriously left us possibly his finest piece of artwork. My dad made an eight-foot Game of Thrones chair made out of swords before he died. And we asked if we could bury him on it, but they wouldn't let us, so... My dad was the best father in the world. In fact, the only thing he did was he used to annoy us of how much he loved us. My dad messaged me on Facebook every day. Something that annoyed me then, but something that... Fucking hell. Something that annoyed me then, but I miss now. He somehow amassed thousands of fans online thinking he was funny on Vine and Twitter not knowing people loved him because they couldn't understand a word he wrote and his videos were so shit. Dad, thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being my best friend. Thank you for showing the type of man I could be. When you watch me with my children from up there, I hope I make you proud because if I can be half the father you've been to me, I'll feel great. He used to always joke when we passed the cemetery, a joke I'd heard a hundred times, He'd always, but I'd always play along. He'd say, how many people do you think are dead in there, son? And I'd say, at least 100. And he'd always say, all of them, you twat, it's a cemetery. So now every time I pass a cemetery, I'll whisper to myself, 101, you cunt. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. He's got a podcast, old spice and miles and miles of pubic lice. STG, fridge, freeze, he's a proper naughty geese. Chatting bollocks, shit stains, moist stains and airy touch. And Jimmy Savile track suits from a mush in shepherd's bush. Bush, 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 bush. He'll make you laugh, he'll make you wee. He'll shag your mum for no money. A mafrodite hat on the 
Don't cry, it's only a joke, you silly mush. <laughs> Don't stress, beat the meat. Moisture is on eat. Don't stress, beat the meat. Say, take a seat. Airy feet, not much air. Massive tits. Look what I started. 123 followers. Is that any good? That's good, yeah, yeah. I don't get the shagging. <laughs> ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey, it's Kat. And actually, it's Pat. And actually, we're randomly the host of a podcast called Seek Treatment. And to Pat, tell them what's it, what's it about. It's actually a podcast about boys, sex, dating, and love. Each week, we invite an exciting guest. And we do our very best not to be boring towards them or even towards you, the listener. We try to say interesting things are actually so hilarious that you laugh your ass off. And after your ass falls the heck off, we guide our guests towards the most important question of all. Who are you? Who, who are, are you? you? And, and who, who do you, you want to be? be? So if you liked what this was... Have you heard this and said, <laughs> I love what this is? <laughs> then like and subscribe. To see treatment. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.